Muslim. And a Jew. And learning. Woo! Okay. It's been a while. It has. It has. Uh, crazy year. It was the first week of school for me here in Dallas. And Julia, where are you at? I am in Tel Aviv now, where I will be for the next year. And TBD. If longer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you're having a blast near the Mediterranean Sea. Yes, I am having a lot of fun. Very different lifestyle to be a student in Israel than to be a teacher in Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or just to be a teacher in general. Yeah, just to be a teacher. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, so for today's episode, we are going to be talking about basically imperialism um, and specifically imperialism outside intervention in the Middle East. Um, as we all know, we've seen a lot of Um, news that is coming out of Afghanistan and Lebanon, um, which is one of the two of the countries that we're going to talk about today. And just in general, specifically what's happening in the Middle East, only because we know more um, about the Middle East. So we thought that, you know, it would be beneficial to focus just on that, um, just based on our own knowledge. Um, uh Exactly. And we've both been um, to those countries as well. But before we begin, I do want to put a disclaimer. So we are aware, of course, like, of our biases and that we're not experts on this issue. We are very open to criticism and corrections, and we make an effort to fact check the information that we do say on this podcast. Um, we do acknowledge that we do have limitations in discussing these topics and that, is that we are not um, Afghan and that we do not live in these countries, except, you know, of course, Julia is now living in Israel. So, of course... Just to summarize, the discussion is going to be about the issues we consistently see in the Middle East and how they are a product of imperialism and colonialism. Um, so we, of course, basically the whole message is we cannot address the problems that we're seeing right now without acknowledging the source of the problem and the history. You can't do anything unless you know the history. So, um, yeah, just like basically the, what you said, the disclaimer that we're not experts and um, like... We do our research and we try to not say anything that's like false um, or too biased, but in like also in an effort to have this podcast feel like more of a conversation based um, like thing than us like lecturing, things can come up that are maybe not 100% accurate or um, are tainted with our passionate views exactly so which is why every single thing that you hear online no matter what it's like you need to check it this is like a thing you have to do regardless like fact check it of course like it's not like we're going to be telling you like completely wrong information but like in our passion of course you know certain things are not are going to be a little bit biased because i am middle eastern and you know like being from lebanon like i have a personal bias against not all the French people, but French imperialism. So not all the French. People. <laughs> I want to say that's not all the French, all right? Yeah. French imperialism, the history of it all. Um, so, Julia, do you want to talk about some definitions? Yeah. So, um, oh my God, I'm just like having, um, like intense memories of like social studies <laughs> um middle school social studies imperialism um it's a state policy and it's basically uh and, and state i mean nation um 
a policy of expanding power and influence and control over uh, territories that are acquired by a nation, um, gaining political power, um, economic power, social control over other territories and people. So like um, Britain was like, yes. right, the biggest. Yes, Britain it the was sun never sets on the British Empire. Exactly, right? Because they took over the whole world. And just to and emphasize everyone up. Imperialism and colonialism that specifically happens because of resources. These like quote unquote like material militarily like superior countries are going into these other countries that they see as weak and basically take them over and take their resources. Yeah. Um well yeah. because you know they just happen to industrialize first. That's yeah. the only advantage you had yeah um not that yeah and colonialism is a con uh, control over um uh an area or a group of people and it's when like you said one country is subjugating another to um exploit its resources um its people um conquering the population forcing um simultaneously forcing its own like language and religion and cultural views and social norms on them yeah so basically there's a few different versions you have colonialism and imperialism sometimes they're both used interchangeably like you find you can have your own autonomy but like we're going to take some of your resources or if it's anything like for example in south africa they completely get rid of like your culture and your language and just everything and completely yeah. reroute it so yeah. there's different versions of it um and then those other definitions that i i'm we also have counterterrorism and radicalization as definitions on our notes, but um, I think that I'll bring them up later if, like, we get to that part of the conversation. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, Julia, what are have we been seeing so far um, about Afghanistan, just, like, right off the top of your head? Um, I would say what I'm seeing is um, lots of posts, um emphasizing that women that women are victims in Afghanistan of um, the Taliban of course but also Islam um, uh, like of course it's really amazing that a lot of people are talking about what's happening not amazing like it's a good thing that people are talking about what's happening and like are somewhat aware of what's happening and, and seem to care um for for the moment we'll see how long that lasts but i hate to like always have a problem with people trying to do the right thing but um the framing of it is very like these poor these poor muslim women like and F and these yeah i don't know how to say it or like people being like us like it's just so sad that they were born in Afghanistan. Like it's just like a frustrating viewpoint to see because it's, it's almost like condescending and like devaluing mm -hmm. like an entire society and an entire country and, and a religion. Yeah. Like it's basically the same Muslim girl trope that we see, like the poor oppressed Muslim girl that needs to be saved by the white man. Yes. You know, we see this in tele television shows. We see this right now. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. It's like, like they their rights are going to be you know infringed upon but their rights were already being infringed upon already like they already were yeah. you know having 
like difficulties accessing like education. You know, they were already, you know, being subjugated by the Americans that were there. So there were yeah. already issues before or after. Of course, it's gonna be a lot worse with like the control of the Taliban. Mm -hmm. So it's like, with that, we must look, okay, what is the Taliban? Why did they come about? Why is this all happening in Afghanistan? Why is this always happening in the yeah. world? You know? And which also reminds me of like the second thing we're seeing, I feel like I'm seeing the most is like conversations about like um, uh, Biden's decision for us to leave Afghanistan and like, you know, like he's standing by the decision and there's critique obviously about it. I mean, as there should always be critique of decisions that politicians make and commentary on it, but it's like not about him deciding for, for us to leave as much as it's about why were we there? Uh -huh. And like, what did that do? exactly like we're gonna think that we are the reason why like afghanistan is doing well this is all happening because it's our fault we made them reliant on us for the past 20 years we've been mm -hmm. there for 20 years they're a hundred thousand percent reliant on us and they, it goes back further than 20 years exactly like yeah the roots of this mm -hmm. yeah like this has been going on like since the 80s like they've they're relying on us like we are not to it that, that's the whole thing with all this you can't interfere in countries that you don't understand you know like you're not part of the culture you don't know the language you don't know the people and the practices so you're going in thinking that you have all these great ideas and you're causing a mess a mess so when we look at afghanistan um basically it's the same story we see with all imperialism a european country goes into the country and basically Western. Western, yeah, Western countries, yeah, because the United States as well. So you have Western countries are also going into these countries and basically erasing their identity in all kinds of different ways. So in Afghanistan, they would basically try to attribute, like, their prosperity to, like, a pre-Islamic time in, like, an Aryan heritage. Like, your prosperity did not come from, like, the Islamic Golden Age. It came from before then. Mm -hmm. Things like that. And another thing was, like, they would highlight, like, how Islam is very aggressive towards, like, non-Muslims. Like, the British went in and, like, taught them that. And, like, distorted their history by just attributing, like, everything, like, basically demonizing Islam and saying, that wasn't the right way. The Western way is why you are basically successful. So you're making the people hate themselves, right? And you're going to get people who love that and great, like it works for them. And you're going to get lots of people in that country who are going to be impacted by that in a negative way, which then, you know, causes radicalization, mm -hmm. you know, and tensions and problems and division and all of these things, you know, you can't, so you're going in telling them to hate themselves. So obviously, you know, there's going to be a reaction with that. So that's Afghanistan. Um, I will like that. It's a great transition to talk about Lebanon, but like mm -hmm. do you want anything to add on to that. Um, I had a thought while you were talking and now, of course, I forget it. I, my mind goes like in a million places when we talk about stuff like this. You want to talk about um, radicalization? I feel like, you know. Talk about what? radicalization yeah yeah I guess that's a good point because yeah because why were we in Afghanistan because we think that you know because of orientalism we think that um the eastern world and eastern cultures and um islamic cultures and 
the religion of Islam is um, savage and inferior and that we need to kind of control it and protect ourselves and the world from these like uncivilized countries and cultures. Um, So a lot of people see us in Afghanistan and Iraq and like the wars we're fighting as like saving the world from terrorists mm-hmm. and I don't at all ever want anything I say to be misconstrued as like disrespect towards like the men and women who serve in our military because um fundamentally that is prote- that is protecting and putting their lives on the line um for us to live in freedom in the United States and there mm-hmm. are varying levels of freedom in the United States um, there is not one American experience, but like I, I have, I like have respect for, of course, um, serving in the military and sometimes decisions that are made for the men and women in the military are maybe what I don't agree with. That's not about the actual individuals who are choosing to, you know, um, protect us and stand mm-hmm. up for us, but um, terrorism. So we just kind of focus on in the West and in America and killing, you know, terrorists um, and terrorists in our media and in our um, pop culture look like dark skinned men um, with turbans um, or like wearing robes and um, what is the uh, red and white scarves called? Uh, I can't believe I don't know the it's name of it. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so we have this image of what a terrorist looks like, right? And they're Muslim, probably, and they're brown, probably. And um, we can also just add like the constant images of like the, the men saying Allahu Akbar. And it's like yeah. this like, so negative thing that people think of when it literally means God is great. And like that's like heartbreaking. And, yeah, because it's taking away from the people who like love their religion and love God and aren't mm-hmm. violent and like yeah. say that as part of like their religion and faith and spirituality like a Christian. Yeah. and so yeah so we kill the terrorists um we have a pretty like um singular image of what they look like and they are disposable people in in the Middle East and then we're heroes because we killed them and it never gets to the root cause of terrorism which is radicalization why can people anywhere in the world, including um, people in America, white people in America, any religion person in America, um, why can people be radicalized? Why are people so desperate um, that they can be brainwashed into believing they have nothing to lose? So why not attack whoever it is that you've been convinced is to blame for your situation, your country situation, whatever. So I have like a strong stance with counterterrorism that, or opinion that we should focus on countering radicalization and not <coughs> killing the leaders. Not that I think they should be free, but it mm-hmm. doesn't solve the problem. Oh my god, the coughing thing is happening again. <laughs> when I talk too much. Um, yeah, and see, and that's the thing. It's like I don't know, like 
they've been training there. So they've been obviously there for a long time, but for like the past 20 years, they've been like training them, like the specifically the Afghan military um, mm-hmm. and like force and stuff like that to make sure they're prepared for the situation when the United States leaves. But I mean, it's insane that they've spent, I don't, of course, billions, you know, in that country. Yeah, so much more. And this is what happens. And that tells me that's what this is what it looks like. It looks like to me that they just became so completely reliant on them that they didn't have the autonomy anymore Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm. what they needed to do. Like, they never, they were there thinking they were the creating uh, or addressing the problem by instilling Western values and democracy. Yeah. Western values, that's a, that's a vague term that, and people think of it as like a good thing, as a positive thing. Doesn't mean it's a positive thing. It probably it's means nothing thing. to people. It's our thing. It's our culture. Why are we going to go tell them what's right or wrong? Like, we, it's like me telling you that, um, my religion, like I freaking love being Jewish. I think it's dope. Like I mm-hmm. love my religion. But it would be like me telling you that just because I love the way I do things with my faith mm-hmm. means that you have to do it that way too. And if you don't, if you're doing something different, it it can't be equal. It has to be less than. Exactly. Like there's this like thing. It's like whenever it's not Western, it's immediately oppression. And yeah. it doesn't it doesn't play out that way all the time. It's more complex than the, the way we See, I, like if you look at people any middle eastern country i dare every anybody who's listening to this podcast research and read about every middle eastern country before they were imperialized before colonized yes, yes i yes. dare you that there it is stark stark difference literally yeah. to the point where you got all religions mm-hmm. loving each other in one area of course you have some contention and of course you have a few problems here and there but it's not remotely the same the way we see it today yeah remotely that makes me think of this is like a whatever that makes me think of just the, I'm living in Israel right now and it's Israel's a very interesting uh mixture of influences and like it's not it's yeah it's it's not like it it isn't grouped together the way that people think about the rest of the Middle East, Middle Eastern countries, you know, like people don't really know the difference between Iran and Afghanistan and Lebanon and Syria. Yeah. But people know Israel. And a lot of people were surprised that I would want to move here or um, thought I would change my mind based on, you know, the not, I'm not even going to say that heightening of tensions i'm going to say the heightening of us paying attention to the tensions there in the west um <laughs> thought i would be like oh i'm too afraid to go or i don't want to live there anymore and anyone who thought that obviously hasn't been there but also puts this singular narrative of this really long horrible real conflict but puts that singular narrative on everyone's life in Israel and that's just like not the reality I love my life here it doesn't mean there aren't issues happening it doesn't mean there isn't a conflict um but the conflict doesn't mean that there aren't people living their lives happily Palestinians and Israelis and people from abroad over here Mm -hmm. it's like what we see from like the news and stuff like that like Take it, okay, but you need to do your own research. You have to look at it 
as it is. Read stuff from the people that are actually living there. Mm. Too often we're reading stuff that's coming from the United States. They don't know. Yeah. We don't know what's happening. Like Al Jazeera. Same judgments we all are. Like they just don't. I mean, even when I was doing, like I said, that research for like that anti-critical race theory bills in Texas, people yeah. were still getting that mm. information wrong. So you need to take it with a grain of salt. Like, it's not what it seems. All my life, it's like whenever I say I'm Lebanese, I've been to Lebanon. Is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? Yeah. Is it safe? Literally, yeah. Like, it's not like that. Yeah, they have some issues right now, but it's not like bombing and war. Like, yeah. that's not always the case. Yeah. So, and, and you can, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Add on because I was I'm just thinking, like, you can be like, because I know a lot of people are just like, I was talking to my friend here about this the other day, like, uh, or yesterday, America is the greatest country in the world and how it's just like, such a like well-known statement and belief. Like you can, I obviously had a wonderful life in America. Like I love America. I love mm-hmm. New York. I feel very grateful for being like born there. Mm-hmm. And Especially I like can, Lebanon, like, yeah, the United mm-hmm. States is great. <laughs> yeah. But like, I can feel that way. And also, you know, appreciate that, um, I can live happily in another country also, or that people are living happily in other countries as well. Like mm-hmm. those two feelings and opinions and realities can exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like America is the best. So like if any country that doesn't like meet our standards is like not worth. See, And that's a really great point that you brought up because like I think about here when I'm here and then I go to Lebanon, right? And Lebanon, of course, you know, there's not the same amount of opportunity that there is here in the United States. But in mm-hmm. Lebanon, like, people are very hospitable, very kind, very giving, constantly, everywhere, all the time. Yeah. See that here in the United States. It's very individualistic. People don't want to help other people. You do have certain groups of people who do. But it's in Lebanon, that's standard. Everybody is kind to each other. Yeah. You know, of course, you have your contention here and there. But in the end, people help each other. People help their, if they're in their community, they help their community. They're loyal to their community. Yeah. Here we have loyalty to communities. You have loyalty to ourselves and that's mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. you know? So and, and that. that just, we're getting off topic, but that just like brings me to like my friend when I was talking to her about this yesterday, Shaked, um, I'll make you listen to this episode. Um, <laughs> she was like, also like, what does it even mean? Like to be the best country in the world? Like, how are you gauging that? Like, there's so many different ways that you could compare countries like happiness level, income level, like diversity, um, healthcare, um, conflict, uh, violence, education. Like there literally is no way to say what country is the best country in the world. Like every country is different. We also shouldn't be comparing it. Like comparing Israel and America, like they're completely different for a million reasons. It doesn't make sense that that's like something that we say or think. Yeah. And it's like if we're gonna compare it in terms of like like what are the average like are the majority of the people getting like their basic necessities and stuff like that like healthcare mm-hmm. water yes. stuff like that. a lot of people in the United States are not getting their basic necessities mm-hmm. lots of them like a lot so maybe we aren't the best country in the world because we just I mean ha- like how military military wise yeah we have the strong mm-hmm. military what else what else are we number one at. You know, we have healthcare spending. We, we can in theory. So there's things like that. So it's like we need to check ourselves before we go in and start judging other countries, right? And like thinking that we know what's happening. Like, oh, those poor little countries, like you know, they don't know how to handle their 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 stuff. And it's like, yeah. no, they 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 can't because of what we we or did to them. So 
in Lebanon, as you all know, maybe you don't, but in Lebanon, they literally don't have access to basic <laughs> Um, already when I would go and visit Lebanon we'd be watching TV and the lights would turn off everything would turn off for about maybe a few minutes maybe 10 minutes maybe two hours right and then would go back on water same thing you might not have water maybe you will have water that was always standard in Lebanon now it's a lot worse to the point where it's constantly turning off all the time and why is it turning off because the government is basically given a certain amount of money to care for these necessities, but rather than doing that, they just pocket it and steal yeah. from the people. They steal from the people. Is not unfamiliar to th- to situations um, in Gaza. Mm-hmm. Things being turned off and taken away by exactly. Hamas and whoever has control over those resources. But continue about Lebanon. And so when we see that, we're like, okay, like it's all like, of course, there's. The situation is happening in Lebanon right now, like the, a lot of Lebanese people, not all, um, a lot of Lebanese people, certain Lebanese people, especially all the politicians are to blame. You know what? The politicians are all to blame. But why are they doing all these things? Why are all these things happening in Lebanon? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing every single person needs to understand about Lebanon is that Lebanon is under a confessionalism system. Okay, so it's basically nice. when like political representation is proportionally allocated according to like the demographic size or religious or ethnic groups. Okay, so in Lebanon, it's primarily divided by religion. So it divides, um, so the president needs to be a Maronite Christian, the prime minister has to be a Sunni Muslim, and the speaker of the assembly has to be a Shia Muslim. So you're probably thinking, oh, cool, everyone gets like proportionally represented. (laughs) That actually created lots of tensions between these groups. Lots and lots, lots of tensions. All right. So it created actually specifically intense sectarianism. And basically that's what led to the civil war. So you're probably thinking, hmm, why do something like this? Right. So what happened was like in all imperialism. Okay. For example, this happened. This is a big problem in Africa when Africa was being um, imperialized by all these European countries. They'll go in see a pocket of land, right? And they see, you know what? I'll make it even more simpler. Let's say Britain and France want a pocket of land, right? And it's one country, okay? And that one country has multiple ethnic groups. They're gonna draw some random borders without considering, you know, the, the relationships between these ethnic groups or, or the cultural values of these ethnic groups. And so now we're going to have ethnic groups that, you know, got along are going to be super separated and then forced to be with other groups that maybe they don't get along with or don't have similarities with. And that's going to cause tensions, which is exactly what happened in Lebanon. Lebanon was under the Ottoman Empire. Then France came in and took on the Syria mandate. Then they drew a random border from Syria and took and made Lebanon. And what happened was is that Lebanon became like a majority Maronite Christian population, but then you still had like your Muslims and like your Druze and Shia Muslims who were part of like Syria. So now they were just pushed as a minority in this country and that caused a lot of tensions. So Lebanon, since they were like pretty autonomous, even though they were under the French mandate, they basically, Lebanese leaders, because of all these tensions and people feeling like they weren't represented, created this confessional system to basically, like, make it, quote-unquote, proportional. But it wasn't proportional. The uh, Maronite Christians still had the majority, and the Muslims um, felt, like, you know, left out. 
Um, so it caused the civil war. So that right there, it, that's, you could point how that is a direct cause of imperialism, just going to these countries and drawing all these random borders. And then also, mind you, France really um, pushed it on the Maronite Christians to basically like reduce the support for a pan-Arab nationalist movement, oh, right? Yes, yes. They want, like, Lebanon was supposed to be like, we're all Arab, we're all together, like, we're all awesome. And France was mm -hmm. like, no, no, like, you're, you're not going to have that. You're not going to do that. Instead, you're going to basically like, like focus on just like, don't identify with any of those identities. And it's like, that's your identity. What if I was like, Joey, don't identify as Jewish. You're going to cause tensions between people who don't identify as Jewish. Like, yeah. no, like you, it's your identity. It's your, it's your, your heart. Like, why would we try to abandon that? Of course, there's lots of people in Lebanon who are down with it because they didn't want to identify as Arab, but you have mm -hmm. lots and lots of people who do. So again, you got tensions now. So like these, they're going in and then erasing their identity and making them hate themselves or not and hate each other. And then boom, you have wars. So Lebanon had that horrible, horrible civil war mm -hmm. in the 70s uh, and 60s because of that. So, um, sorry, finish your thought. Um, so basically, I think, I don't think, I know, uh, not critique a single thing about the people, of the countries that we're looking at without, you know, seeing the history of it all. Yes. And yes. I just want to, like, emphasize, too, that I, I know this for sure in Lebanon, the history books stop in, like, the 1940s. Or no, mm -hmm. they, they actually start, sorry, they start from the 1940s on. Like, yes. They're not learning about imperialism like the way I'm saying it right now. Mm -hmm. Like I talked to a few, one of my cousins and she said that they learn about imperialism from France as France bringing reading and civilization to Lebanon, which is really hilarious because the Phoenicians were one of the first ever civilizations. So we created civilization. So I don't know what, what that is. And then, yeah, my uncle too like he confirmed again history books start at the 1940s and go on you don't learn about your history like the in yeah. afghanistan yeah. they erase their history they erase their history in lebanon boom that's what happens look what's happening it's almost okay two things it's almost similar to the way we teach um african-american history starting with slavery instead of the like rich and thousands of years old history of african people that came mm -hmm. before that and mm -hmm also just the lack of education about Africa being a continent with countries, not like a one place. Anyways, um, circling back though to civil war and like history of conflicts. I just want to say something about the Taliban. So like going back to Afghanistan, mm -hmm. the Afghan civil war is when the Taliban came about and there's whatever it, it's a very complicated group um, and has a very uh, complex history, but it's because America and um, like Russia and the Soviet Union were like involved in uh, politics and like foreign affairs in the Middle East. And the CIA was backing Afghan rebel groups and withdrew its aid. And then Russians cut their funding and Soviet Union um, like law, uh, stopped supporting the government in Afghanistan. And then 
the war broke out and that was i think in 1992 and 1994 i think is when the taliban emerged as one of like the factions from the civil war Mm -hmm. so it wasn't just like savage muslim uh, uh people in afghanistan decided to like be terrorists like that came from a power struggle that existed because of foreign involvement mm-hmm. whether or not it was with good intentions so like understanding like where these groups come from is important also not to humanize the taliban i don't yeah want to yeah. say i feel bad for them or understand yeah. where they're coming from because they don't it's a disgusting mm-hmm. terrorist group but like they actually they are human beings though and we function in a way where there is an explanation for why terrorism exists and groups like this form. And yeah, and I'm really happy you brought that up because it's kind of like how did like Hezbollah, you know, come about, right? Mm-hmm. So hear a lot about like Israel um, and Hezbollah and stuff like that. So again, this comes with the border issue. So France, when they messed up that border, um, they basically, this is what they did. So there's political issues arising like between, or maybe you can backtrack. Lebanon has also had issues with Israel, and that's because of what France, how France drew the border. So when they drew the border, um, basically there was this area called Sheba Farms, which is a small piece of land, and it's now like currently occupied by Israel, but it was contested ownership between Syria and Lebanon, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. These borders, like you're not, you don't know the history, so now they're contesting over that land, and so basically. Israel understood the area to be Syrian, and so along with like, like the the territory that was conquered as part of the nineteen sixty seven Six Day War, they still are in that area. And then Hezbollah, the militant group, you know that we see in uh, Palestine, um, they formed in response to the nineteen eighty two Israeli invasion of Lebanon. And they're the worst. Yeah, and they're terrible. And so because of that invasion, because of all the things that were happening with the Sheba Farms thing and that tension, they have used that occupation of Sheba Farms to basically gain legitimacy and support their continued violent action against Israel. And of course, they're using all of like the occupation stuff to kind of justify their actions, not to say that Hezbollah is just in those actions, but as to show that France came in and created a problem, created an issue and didn't, you know, they're not accountable of it. And so, like, we went in and started a fight, basically. Not we, sorry. Western countries, specifically we, France, went into... I love uh, when we say we when we're talking yeah. shit about... Like, <laughs> because we were part of it. We're part of us. <laughs> I yeah. say it when I'm talking about white people, too. <laughs> so, like, yeah, France went in and started a fight. Um, so, yeah, what's happening right now, Hezbollah is doing terrible things. But we created a... I'm standing it. Not we. I don't want to identify with this. France created a problem, so we need to blame them. It's their fault, too. Like, they need to go in and, like, make things right. And actually, sorry, not go in, literally, like, but it's their fault, you know? Yeah. And and then another thing I wanted to just, like, think it's, like, where do we go from here? So, like, what, we're supposed to, like, leave Afghanistan alone? Honestly. let everything crumble. It's, like, okay, we can't do anything about it. Like, we did it for the past 20 years. We failed so hard. We can't. We can't is accept and work to get these refugees here. We, they are now our responsibility. We mess their lives up. So we need to bring them here and give them opportunity. If they want to come, we need to welcome them with open arms. That's the solution. 
we can't do anything for them in there. Like yeah. we don't, we don't know the culture. We don't know what's right for them. We were there for 20 years. What makes us, they want us to be there forever. And it sucks because like at this, uh, on the one hand, it looks really bad. Biden said we're out and shit hit the fan. Yeah. But what is the alternative? We continue to put American lives in danger to try to control a situation that we really shouldn't be controlling, first of all, and don't know how to fix. Like, uh-huh. I don't know. I'm not saying I have, like, I have an answer to that question. Like, I genuinely don't know what the alternative is to us yeah. finally saying Literally. we've done enough. Yeah. Like, like I don't know. There is no way to slowly, yeah. peacefully, and like easily withdraw. Like that just I don't know. No, there is no way. There's no way. Like we we made the our biggest mistake wasn't pulling out. Our biggest mistake was going there in the first place. Mm-hmm. What we did for the past twenty years was our biggest mistake. Mm-hmm. That was is and the it's tough because like okay, so we were the leader of the free world, right? And like mm-hmm. uh, yes, I think it's um, a positive thing that we ha- um, have democracy even though it's you know um we have our issues with it here but like we I believe in democracy like I believe in um freedom and what America at least says it stands for um and spreading positive ideals isn't necessarily a bad thing but forcefully um putting western ideal ideals on like unwilling cultures but here's the thing out there like without their like cooperation and involvement and like and like engagement isn't doing what we say we want to do which is you know like create um i don't know better better countries i don't know like that's a free country that's what the united states says we're not doing that nations don't have friends we have interests there is never in history ever do you see a country helping another country from the goodness of their heart? They're going to get something back. They have Actually, Israel was the first country in Haiti after the earthquake, and they helped them. Well, that's really great. I don't, I don't know why there that no other came reason. up in my mind. Uh, but I just remember, I was always like, damn, that's awesome. No, like, you're right. I could find a reason. Like, it's interesting. No, yeah. because it made us look good, and exactly. we, need, we need good PR. But that was kind of dope. Yeah. But like that is a hundred percent like like I'm as I teach history in my classroom, you just don't see, oh, I'm gonna be a good person and like go and help their de- we're not gonna spend oh my god, people, like we are not gonna spend billions, trillions of dollars in a country because we wanna help them. That's not how countries operate. Not, yeah, it wasn't about wanting um countries in the Middle East to like like their actual people to like live better lives and like have better lives. No, about, we have an resources. Afghanistan that we love the resources. So we need to be buddy buddy with them and make them think that we're helping them so we can utilize the resources. Mm-hmm. Now we can't because what well, we shouldn't have in the first place. And, you know, the military of Afghanistan was way too reliant on the United States and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, we didn't do anything like we were there because we have an interest there. We're not trying to at all like spread American ideals. That's what we say to look cute. But no. And because there are, of course, there are people that believe that, you know, mm-hmm. um, again, in, intent is not impact. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I also, line is, oh, it didn't come from the goodness of our government's hearts. And, and it didn't 
it didn't give what we preached we wanted it to give mm-hmm. exactly like it's, sad. Politics, it's like sad it's just yeah. sad like political science like is this study of the struggle over power over a certain region mm-hmm. so this is all political every single thing about this is political don't ever no one should ever think that like we're gonna spend money to like help people ever 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 and so which is what to your point what we need to be doing now with refugees mm-hmm. exactly spending money out of the goodness of our hearts because like these people are displaced and just screwed yeah and, and it's not because they're muslim yeah exactly which i wanted you to talk a little bit about that like confusion oh, about no. uh, oppression from islam and oppression from culture and you know orientalism a little maybe and that's the thing. I really do want to make that clear. So Islam, first of all, is the first religion to have given women the right to divorce. It requires that both men and women are educated, like literally requires it. Like the first word in the Quran is read, mm-hmm. read, 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 read. You need to be educating yourself, both men and women. Women are 100,000% allowed to own land. They are 100% allowed to give, be given rights it's it's a very feminist book uh, muhammad's uh the prophet muhammad's um wife was a businesswoman owned property you know they, they everything that the when we see the quote-unquote people say islamist groups first of all super problematic word don't say islamist, islamist. It, it, it makes people think that is that even a word it's not even a real word it came out of you know, the rhetoric, rhetoric around like, you know, terrorism that's been happening, you know, in the Middle East. Yeah. And it, like, it, it basically makes people think that Islam is inherently a radical religion or Islam is that, or, or it's like when we put Islamist groups, it's like this group is Muslim. That's why they're violent. Like, that's what it sounds like. So people need to stop doing that because we're not calling like all Christians like KKK members just because the KKK loves to carry the cross. We're not, yeah. not. Why are we so quick to call, you know, these groups that claim that they're Muslim, Muslim and Islamist and Islamic terrorism? Why are we doing that? Just like a, a tan- kind of a tangent on that. Um, but I want to finish on your your points with this. Um similar to and anti-Semitism is a rampant and such an issue, but it's it it still has double standard with um, Islam because like there are ultra conservative Jewish groups or denominations or sects um, that ha- have, you know, certain rules and expectations for women that some, for women <laughs> that some people may see as oppressive, but it's never called radical Judaism or like, mm-hmm. Or, and, like, Judaism is never blamed for the oppression of any Jewish woman. It's blamed on, like, cultural norms. Yeah. And, um, and what makes me so mad about this whole situation is that people are so quick to critique the Taliban for, you know, like, taking women's rights as they should, but not so quick. No one said anything about what France has been doing, has been doing for many, many years yeah. to Muslim women. Yeah. No yeah. one's talking about that. Women can't get an education in France. They can't be on the street in France. They can get the right to refuse service in France for wearing a hijab. But yeah. no, they're nice white people in France. It's like, not scary to us because you know they're a democracy. So we're not going to look at that. That's but not oh see as our image of who is uh, the oppressor and who is um, like 
terrorist terroristic mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know I'm so tired <laughs> time difference is not a, a white person or a European person that's not who we see as you know a threat to democracy and freedom uh-huh exactly it's not the narrative we know they have I mean in history shows they what like European countries in particular have been you know maybe champions but a lot of times against democracy and you know self-autonomy in countries that are not their own you know so they are not so we have to be open to criticizing constantly all the time you know we may love a country but you need to criticize it I love the United States, but I'm going to criticize it every step of the way, right? Because it can be Yes, yes, exactly. And that's that's what I I say about that, about uh, Israel and the United States, because I love them both. Mm -hmm. Just because, like, our our self-care episode. We love ourselves. That's why Mm -hmm. we want to be better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So... Like, I just know that the potential the United States could have is, like, could be so good. It's just that you're too focused on, like, individual meritocracy all that type of stuff and like we have the funds and the ability to actually make a difference in the world rather than intervening in afghanistan take that money and like bring refugees here because we have it's almost like we're so focused on um the image of being the best country in the world that we're not using our potential to become the best country in the world we are poised to be like a beacon of light, you know, like the the leader of the free world for real, not just in name. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just like afraid of, I don't know, the critique. And so we, we aren't living up to our greatest potential. Yeah. And that's also a little bit how I feel about Israel right now. Is mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, on, and like, it's just such a rich, beautiful country and they are just, they could be the one of the best. And they're not because they don't want to get past the secretarianism and the individualism, you know, and all the type of stuff because of what your uh, colonialism did. And just one more point with our military, people need to understand too, like it is built to like take or to make like low income students out of high school or like low income people, like it's built to get them rather yeah because so now people are going into the military you know because they need to meet their basic needs they can't afford college they can't afford healthcare, all that type of stuff so they join the military because they need to meet their basic needs mm-hmm. you know and like i so- also just i think that i don't know um a ton about like uh r- recruiting and training for like the u.s military and branches of the u.s military but um i feel like there should be requirements like academic requirements for understanding like the history of um the countries that we are like involved with when you are serving you know yeah. like you should have to know and maybe there is some type of requirement this mm-hmm. I don't know but like you should have to know so again this is like a um disclaimer I don't really know if this whatever is whatever um if you're invading Afghanistan you should have taken classes on the history of Afghanistan and Afghan culture and like the religion there and um, have an understanding of what you're going into the same way teachers are expected or, and should um, do the research into the communities they're going into to serve. You can't go in blindly. 
Yeah. So I do wonder about that, like how much are they learning about the cultures of the countries that they're going into? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is just a really good question. I should ask. I do have a friend in the Navy, so I'll definitely be asking that. But um, and I know sometimes like, like if a war breaks out, it's not like they're Mm going to like go to class before like, exactly. But like, in general, I I feel like that should be an aspect of like our, our Mm -hmm. intervention. Mm -hmm. And I guess I I bring that point up about the military because like we tend to like demonize like our individual military members and even Mm -hmm. though we should be like criticizing military for example their treatment of women like it's not like all the people in the military going into like mess up like or get into like the war like to intervene into like other countries like a lot are literally going because we they don't they can't meet their needs like and any other yeah or because you know they want to serve their country but it's not they're not thinking about like um i i don't know i don't want to say there's so, like, like i don't want to say there's I don't so say many reasons for it yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's so many reasons like it just like a, a huge amount of reasons but like i think yeah. about yeah. in israel some people serve uh, everyone serves but some people serve and it's not um you're doing like computer stuff or whatever like it's the point of serving like giving back to this country um not um going to war Mm -hmm. yeah and also like not to say that we should not uh, we every country has to have a military like that's just never not happened like every you, you have to have a military but like we shouldn't be as involved in everybody's business as we are um, and I guess there's the argument of like, if it's not us, then who? And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. We're messing it up though. We Can we just it. do it better maybe? Like maybe, I don't know. Um, maybe if the country is like, please, I beg of you, please come and help me. I, yeah. the whole country wants you here. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah. that's not going to Unless you have any other thoughts, I would like to end on our favorite thing, which is fuck the patriarchy. Because somebody <laughs> recently said to me, like, why do we even have like the, the, level of weaponry that we have and I said because men rule the world if women had ruled the world since the beginning of time like our solutions to problems never would have been how do we kill each other better yeah yeah so yeah yeah and wait so I want to find wait I know I really do love that um what's it called Instagram post that's what it is Oh, yeah. yeah. The one that you sent me about this, the global impact of Western imperialism, or are you talking about something complete about the patriarchy? <laughs> oh, wait, just kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. That was a misstep. Um, either way, no. But yeah, everyone should follow that page. But yeah, retweet what you just said. Wait, which page, though? Fuck the patriarchy? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> we should do an episode on our favorite Instagram account. Yes. Oh, my God, yeah. And then it used to be So You Want to Talk About, and then we learned that that title was taken from, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say her name. I know her last name is O. O- Oh my goodness. O L U O. Look her yes. up. Yeah. Her name. So I our username is I J E O M. I J E O M A O L U O. So she is the one who wrote So You Want to Talk About Race and the Instagram page So You Want to Talk About was basically that title. Yeah. And they said, oops, 
here was our mistake. Here is how we learned. And this is what we're called now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All um, right. That was our longest episode. And we probably could still go for hours. But Oh, my God. Um, yeah. For now, we'll end on that, I guess. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>